0: You are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. The first half of the season is over, and we've missed the past week or so, but Sam and Steve are back to give you a first half recap, some awards, and a look-ahead to the second half of the season for the Yankees. Sam, happy 4th of July. How was your long weekend?
1: It was absolutely fantastic. My family rented a house. Uh, did not have to report to my new job until Monday, which was July 8th. This is coming out on July 9th, so I got to enjoy a full week of vacation. It was absolutely glorious and it's been pretty good for the Yankees since We last left, and I am thrilled to be back here. We have been gone for the last two weeks, but the Yankees have only played 10 games with the London series happening and a couple of days off happening there, and then fast forward to where we are right now in the All-Star break, but great to be back, Steve. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. It was a a good fourth, a nice little break that uh, we all kind of always need for the holiday here, but good weather. Plenty of beach days, plenty of plenty of Bud Lights, um, and you know, like you said, not that much Yankees baseball. You had the the extra days with London, and then the the days off in between it all. And now with the the All Star game coming up here, just finished watching a pretty epic um, home run derby here. Um, shout out to Pete Alonso of the Mets for winning, but to me, this is would always be remembered as the Vlad the Vlad Junior uh, home run derby. The guy hit almost a hundred home runs, and you know, didn't get the win reminded me very much of uh, Josh Hamilton when it was at Yankee Stadium in 2008. Um, I still forget that Josh Hamilton didn't win there and Justin Morneau did. I had to look up who won because um, you assume Hamilton won here. I think people will assume that uh, that Vlad won. But that was a a big showing of home runs here. And, and as a home run podcast, it, it was fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it's a matchup thing, too. Alonzo didn't have very many... Tough matchups, and that's no fault to him. I mean, the Jock and the Vladdy Jr. matchup was the one to watch. I mean, two three-swing tiebreakers, that was must-see TV. They almost hit 40 home runs each. It was absurd, (laughs) and as a guy who had money on Jock to win that home run derby, it was pretty infuriating when he pulled that last one in the first tiebreaker. I was not happy when that happened, and off the bat, I immediately knew he pulled it, but that was really, really fun, and the difference was Vlad Jr. got a little bit tired towards the end there, and Pete did not, and that's really not to the fault of Vlad Jr. He had some tougher matchups, but in these things, you really have no idea who's going to be the one to perform best. Lefty, righty, I don't really think it matters because these guys are just hitting 380, 90, 400-foot
0: home runs. 440, 450. Vlad, Vlad hit he, one like that was like 480.
1: Light tower shots. And Vlad Jr. put on an absolute show, but Pete Alonso come cool and collected through the entire thing even though his pitcher was a little up and down there early. And there Sam, were, it looked like
0: you out there just throwing balls into the dirt. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There were uh, another guy, Matt Chapman, whose dad, he picked a pitch to him. And, you know, his pitching really wasn't stellar either. But I mean, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter ripping the pitching. But that's a really, really hard thing to do.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that that it's not easy at all. And then the pressure there. But you're talking, like you said, with uh, um, you know, Chapman's dad. I think even Alonzo, what he had, like, is what? His, his cousin or something? I forget who it was. Pitching to him. But it was definitely um, the the pressure is even more there. Like the, the the batters are the ones that you know usually f- don't feel the pressure because they've they you know they live for these moments where the pitchers never get onto the big stage as much as here. So it was uh, it was fun to watch. Lots and lots of home runs. Um, I would have loved to have seen what a, an Aaron Judge would have done out there. You know the, even even if, did you hear Verlander talking before the home derby about the juice balls. And uh, then all of a sudden, you're hitting 40 home runs around here. Kind of led into the whole aspect that the balls might be juiced even more this year compared to last year.
1: Yeah, I saw that Verlander comment earlier in the day about the juice balls. And when someone as knowledgeable as him is coming out and say the balls are juiced, I'm looking into it just a little bit. And I saw a video on Twitter this past weekend. The Red Sox were in Detroit to play the Tigers. I'm not – this is not an anti-Red Sox rant by any means, and this is not an indictment (laughs) (laughs) on Raphael Devers. But I see a video, and somebody quoted it. It was a pitcher a former pitcher. I forget where I saw it. It was a Raphael Devers home run, and he swings at a low-and-away pitch, just kind of flicks his arms out there, and he hits an opposite field home run in Camerica Park, which is not a hitter's park by any means. And that ball goes out. And the guy basically was like, yeah, these balls are juiced. Good swing, but this should not be a two-run home run to the opposite field. And that kind of had me thinking, too, a little bit, Steve.
0: Yeah, you definitely have to. I mean, look, the Major League average right now, after, what, 89, 90 games, is 123 home runs. I mean, we are crushing any type of records here possible. Now, when we get to the home run tracker, we'll put up where the Yankees are here. But the Yankees got 100, are not even close to 166 home runs that the Twins have. So that the their home runs are going left and right everywhere, and that kind of leads in right into the London series. We could chat a few, even though it was about you know over a week ago here. The balls were flying out of there, and the pitchers were complaining. The pitchers weren't moving, and those two games. I mean, it was fun. But they gotta change something up if they want to keep having this series there and keep having to be successful. Because uh, you know, dropping 50 runs in in two games is not what baseball should be. And I don't think baseball wants to have the extra runs and um, and the excitement here. But I think they went it went a little overboard even for baseball standards there out in London. The Yankees we had fun, but that that was uh that that wasn't MLB baseball. I don't think I I I enjoyed it for the first few innings. But then, as you were getting into like hour five and six, so there's still, you know, only in the seventh inning here, it, it wasn't as fun as I, I hoped it would be.
1: So, on Saturday, the first game out in London, I was driving in six hours to my family's vacation home. So, it was a full John and Susan game for me. <laughs> oh, man. Which I only get when I'm driving to and from where we go on vacation up on Cape Cod. So it was a total adventure for me in that first game. And I'm I'm listening. The Yankees had four straight doubles in the first inning. Hicks with a two-run homer. And then Tanaka comes out and gives the six-run lead right back. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And Susan was saying on the broadcast that she thought the pitchers weren't landing properly. Yeah, at the mound, yeah and that that was affecting breaking balls being thrown. And then the morning after, before the second game out in London on Sunday, Buster Olney was hearing from folks on both the Yankees and Red Sox side that they said breaking balls were not working at any rate on Saturday. And it was just getting absurd how the offense was flying. I mean, the Yankees had eight-run leads in both games, And in both games, the Red Sox had the tying run on base. I mean, talk about making your forehead sweat. I mean, geez, (laughs) it was that series really was something. And I wrote something about this last week, the day after the series concluded that the Cubs and Cardinals, another story in MLB rivalry is going out there next year. I mean, you bet they're going to be phoning folks with the Yankees and Red Sox asking the question, how the hell do you pitch out there? How the hell do you prepare? The infield was extremely slick, although
0: there the, weren't many. The outfield errors. was like uh, you hit a ball in the, in the outfield, it's automatically going to the wall. Players couldn't even get to it. The foul territory made Oakland's
1: look small. I mean, just absolutely absurd. Baseball. Baseball. Regardless of what you think of the high-scoring games, if it was good for the game, I think the MLB thinks it was good for the game, and I wrote that last week because there was so much offense. I say, hey, MLB thinks it's good. It doesn't matter what you think. I think they're still going to keep sending teams out there. But holy cow, Steve, like you said, when a ball went down the right field line, it was going all the way to the wall. Aaron Judge, a very good athlete, was taking a long time to get to those balls in the corner. I mean, he was even out of the picture on some of the TV frames that they panned to the ball in the right-field corner. And I still think the MLB is going to keep sending teams out here. Again, the Cubs and Cardinals are going. But that was a slugfest unlike anything I have ever seen, especially the Saturday game and who knows? But all I know is the MLB is going to continue sending teams out there, and they want to market the game overseas. That's great, but at least have it on a playing surface that is, that is fit for an MLB game.
0: Yeah, I think they'll look into that. I definitely think it will be a success. Uh, I think we both think it was it was a success, especially with the pounding of the the, the Red Sox they did. The scores end up being a little closer here, but the Yankees scoring seventeen and twelve. Um, and having huge innings, there was what multiple innings where they scored six plus runs here, so that was exciting for the Yankees' perspective of it. It's always nice to beat up on Boston and really put a, uh, a hatchet into their their system. You know, when we recorded a few weeks ago, I said I want to be ten up by the time we get back from London, and we were eleven up after the Red Sox series in London. Uh, we came back to town, came back to earth a little bit with the little jet lag versus the Mets in the first game here, and then we saw Domingo Herman finally make his return. Uh, on July 3rd to, to beat the Mets here. Kind of overall, just a very boring subway series um, for me this year. Two back to two, um, two game sets here, so you didn't even get like a long weekend game. having the Mets play you know Tuesday, Wednesday. kind of I used to having the subway series be you know a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It kind of lost its luster for me. Um, they split the series overall, you know two and two. Um, but the key takeaway there from that was Herman was coming back from the DL. Uh, the IL, excuse me, for uh, for the Yankees here, and pitching well, which is more important because he was struggling before he went on with uh, his hip injury.
1: Yeah, he pitched really well. This was a game I got to see a little bit of early on, had dinner reservations that night. But his breaking stuff was there. He was controlling it. He was sliding that changeup that looks inside to lefties and finishes on the outer half the plate. That's my favorite pitch he throws. And back to your point about the Subway Series, it's just another game for me, at least. I oh, don't yeah. even think Mets, Yankees, and there's a tired joke that, oh, it's the Mets fans'
0: World Series. Well, of course, they're going to take it a, a little bit. But I think both teams take it serious. It's just like I, overall, it's lost that luster. It, you know, where's this Sunday night Mets, Yankees? You know, I, I feel like even the league kind of has backed away from marqueeing this as a, as a must watch across baseball. Yeah, I agree with you.
1: I mean, normally you have the three gamers and it's a Sunday night game on Sunday, but that has not been the case this year. And le- last year was the case. And then the year before, it was another two and two. So I think they're going to be alternating the two and two three game series and then two and two again. So, I guess that's what it just come to. But like you said, Herman, the big takeaway from this and the Yankees now have five starters right now. Five healthy starters. Tanaka, Don't, don't you Paxton,
0: dare drink that, Sam.
1: <laughs> Tanaka, Paxton, CC, Hap, Herman and is, is that... That's fine? That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're good. Oh my goodness. We're recording late late at night here on Monday.
0: But also, the the sixth starter of Chad Green opening it with uh, Nestor Cortez Jr. has been awesome.
1: It really has. And the big question is, are the Yankees going to continue that? Because it has worked so, so well. But right now, they have five healthy starters, and... Steve, we've both mentioned it plenty of times on the podcast and in pieces we've written on GothamSN.com that Herman is almost certainly on an innings count. So if they skip his start once or twice, turns through the rotation, we may see another bullpen day Yeah. in, in, in the future. I think they're going to be skipping him a little bit. We'll maybe see some bullpen days still in the future. but I think so too. For right now, the Yankees have five starters. And with Herman missing a month, not that it was good that he got injured, but he got to spend some time on the DL where he wasn't pitching. They gave him a rehab start down in Scranton. And it'll be interesting to see how the Yankees go forward with their starting rotation. And if we see Chad Green open for Nestor Cortez, because the Yankees haven't lost a game where he's done that.
0: Yeah, that, that's the big thing, and you mentioned the starters here. It's kind of uh, pretty, like typical base. That's baseball, Susan here. But Paxton, Sabathia, and Herman have each pitched seventy six innings so far this year. Each have been on the DL. Um, kind of always goes into the you know you never run out of starting pitching, but it's pretty crazy here that we're at the All Star break. James Paxton with uh, seventy six point one innings, and then CC and Herman with exactly seventy six innings. Um, little low for for pitchers. The Yankees are towards the bottom of the league. In starting pitching innings here, Tanaka leads the way with a uh, 105 innings. Um, so, but we'll, we'll see you there with the, the Herman, like you said. The he can't go over 130 innings, so he's got, you know, maybe another 60 in him. But then plus the the playoffs, hopefully. So we'll see what the what the Yankees do there. But I kind of agree with you on the point of it sucks that he got hurt. But I thought timing wise, it was actually kind of perfect. They had a lot of day. He missed a month. But a lot of days um, with the with the London trip here and a couple extra days off, then he come back, gets a healthy, and then boom, you get the All Star break, give him an extra couple days here again, and you have him rejuvenated um, for the the second half here because we kind of really need him. I mean, we need we need Herman to be the guy that he was the first ten starts of the year. I mean, he's got a nice ten and two record here, so the Yankees do well when he gets on the mound. So we'll see there. Especially if we don't know what's going on with Severino and his you know almost Stanton esque. Uh, Injury changes here the past few weeks of oh no we 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 should have done that we should have got an MRI so who knows if we see uh, Severino at all for the yeah Yankees. what the hell was that all about <laughs> I
1: mean Brian Cashman comes out and says he shouldn't have been throwing
0: I mean yeah, that was that was not good I didn't want I mean that was almost what two weeks ago now and I've kind of forgot about it until I was just started to ramble there with that but yeah not good not good
1: <laughs> I mean what was the training staff, Boone Rothschild, doing there that he was throwing. I mean, Jesus, that is actually bad. needs to
0: be 100% before he picks up a baseball.
1: This is your 25-year-old ace that you just signed to a four-year, $40 million extension, and he's throwing when he's still in pain? I mean, come on now. It sets him back another week or two, whatever the hell they said. But, I mean, we're getting into, you know, mid-August now probably after he makes a couple of rehab starts.
0: Oh, yeah, easily. Uh, yeah. If if that, if that. No, we're definitely looking into August for him. Um, and it's going to push the Yankees here. We'll kind of jump up a few topics uh, on my list here. But because of that, it, it you don't know what he's going to be like come deadline time. And now with the only one... Trade deadline with you know they got rid of the August thirty first trade deadline. The Yankees have to kind of guess and play around with what they want to do. Yes, they're one hundred percent in for a starter, but if they know that Seve was coming back in mid mid August here, they might not push as much here and make a deal. Maybe they shouldn't be making here, but the Yankees are there. I mean, the news came out earlier yesterday that they had uh, the head scout um, Nering over in Cincinnati looking at Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer's been someone that I've been advocate for for the past year if to get in in pinstripes he's kind of a dick and people are going to hate him and the media is going to hate him but I think Trevor Bauer is kind of something that the Yankees should be looking at for here for the for the stretch run so we'll see if that goes anywhere when we were playing the Mets they said the Yankees were scouting Zach Wheeler obviously Wheeler got shelled in his last start but overall he's going to be someone that's going to be likely traded and um, the Red Sox looking at Zach Wheeler there too so the whole Severino injury that's been on for all year the Yankees have kind of been hoping that Severino will be that that trade deadline acquisition, getting him back in the rotation, but this, this additional setback here, the Yankees are going to have to pull the trigger here um, probably before they know really when or if Seve can come and probably going to have to make trades assuming that they don't have Severino
1: Yeah, absolutely Steve, and you mentioned Bauer early on there Cleveland has won their last six games Yeah, they that, answered- that changes it they enter the second half of the season 50 and 38 they're a half game behind Tampa for the first wild card they are in sole possession one and a half up on Oakland for the second wild card so I don't think the Indians are going to be selling another game that name that's been thrown around Mike minor of the Texas Rangers he's under control for nine and a half million next year however Rangers 48 and 42 three games back at the second wild card. They play really well at home too. They're 29 and 17 down in Arlington. So I don't think Mike Miner is going to be available. And obviously those are the two big names because they're in the American league. No disrespect to the national league. I think it's a bit tougher to pitch in the AL though. You have nine hitters. You're pitching against teams. Like I said, they got that DH. There's no automatic out at the bottom of the lineup right there. So those are two guys that have been mentioned. And then, like you said, you mentioned Zach Wheeler, who's looks like he is one of the most dominant pitchers in the game at times. But other times, this guy is getting lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, he just has one bad inning. Well, one bad inning in the playoffs, four runs, that could lose you. Game's the over. Game. game, game, series, series over. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, Chris Sales on the other side of the mound and all, in the other dugout, four run first inning. I mean, come on now. So, yeah. Talk about the pipe dream of Scherzer, too. I don't think he's going to be available. The Nationals.
0: Regardless. They're in first place. No, they have a division lead, don't they?
1: No, no. They're six back in the Braves.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wild card. Sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Right now, they are in the top spot in the National League wild card. And regardless, even if they were out of contention, I don't think they would trade Max So, Madison Bumgarner as well. I mean, there's a lot of names we're throwing out here. Stroman. Stroman. Boyd. He was there. Yeah, Strowman's probably my top guy right now. He's having an all-star season in the American League East. Has pitched in the postseason before as well. So, if we're talking guys right now, Strowman's my top guy. Yeah. Who I, mean, is, who I think is definitely going to be available. Right, yeah, you,
0: yeah. No, I, I agree with that all. And The, the second wild card, I mean, we, the past few years we've noticed it. It opens up so many more teams that think they're in contention. And it's going to see what the Indians do here. If you know, if they really want to push for a wild card game, and you know, is it worth it for a one game playoff to try and get to the playoffs? I mean, but with their rotation, if they stay healthy, but you know, they they've all been hurt. I mean, Kluber's been hurt. Carrasco is, is dealing with some serious health issues. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the, the Indians kind of want to do. Of if they want to be buyers or sellers here, I can see them kind of wanting to be play both sides here. And if they they would open up Bauer discussions, if it led to MLB players. Like a Clint Frazier, for instance, and and not kind of trade him away for for you know young guys that are a few years away, kind but, of like the half sell,
1: half not. We can still push for the playoffs. Yeah.
0: So I mean, but it's another tough place of what teams really want to do there, same with the Rangers here. Um, so the Yankees, are, the options will be limited. I'm sure there will be lower moves that they can make, um, but it, it, you know I, I don't want Zach Wheeler. I mean, like, I don't like, but like that—that's that could be the top guy that is available, and we need to get a pitcher. So, the the, the deadline's going to be crazy this month here. You know, we are you know already a week into to July here, so there's three weeks to go before the deadline's coming, and there's a lot of movements that can be made. And it's also crazy that the people are thinking that the Yankees must have to—they have to make a trade, they have to do this, or there's no chance they win. when they do this while forgetting the Yankees have been literally one of the best teams in baseball? all season they have 57 wins you know that's what second in baseball they're tied with the Astros for second in baseball behind the Dodgers at 60 so the Yankees are the the real thing is what, the, what are the Rays and Sox going to do and if, how do the Yankees react to that so we'll, we'll kind of keep an eye on that for the whole thing and as we get closer to the deadline here we'll, we'll pay a lot more attention to some of these rumors here but there'll be rumors flying left and right with unconfirmed bullshit stories of who's available and who's not available um someone who is not available but hopefully will be within a week or so is Luke Voigt. Voigt going Voit was holding on to not go on that DL and be one of these guys but the all AL all-star team here of uh, of DL injuries or IL injuries for the Yankees continues to grow and Voigt joins the list here with a little bit of a uh, of a bummer injury but it looks like it'll be quick and hopefully he could be back in, a, in a, by the end of the week maybe.
1: You know what really pissed me off with this situation Steve Tell me that <laughs> Aaron Boone, that Aaron Boone on Sunday, uh, he, this the Sunday happened a few times, series, Sunday of the London series. And I have seen this episode 60 times in the last two years. Aaron Boone comes out and says about Luke Voigt. He's feeling better. He should be a player for us on Tuesday. And then what happens? He goes on the IL. So Who knows? how serious this injury is abdominal strains are are, are tough i've never experienced one but i mean i mean they're kind of a wild card they're like a a knee injury or a calf injury i don't i don't know how long an abdominal strain will be but what i do know is i don't like being lied to about injuries (laughs) (laughs) do not
0: lie to sam
1: do not lie to sam correct (laughs) <laughs> and when Aaron Boone comes out and says he's going to be a player for us on Tuesday, and he goes on the IL, I mean, fans have a right to be pissed off.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It's been it, that was not the thing that you want to hear. Like, but also at the same time, when Susie said that, I was like, I bet you he goes in the IL. We have the All Star oh, break coming up knew. here. They'll get they're trying hopefully get him back because a ten days means he only misses three or four games, and blah blah blah. But it's just not what you need to know. It's just, it's just you. The Yankees have these injuries that are piling, piling up and they're still playing awesome. But now it's time to come. The summer's coming. You We're know, already halfway through the summer. You got to get rid of the injuries here and get ready and be healthy here. These little nagging injuries can can linger around, especially with an abdominal strain. So, so we'll see when Luke Voigt comes back. Um, and it means that Edwin Encarnacion is the everyday first baseman here. And kind of been a very disappointing first month to Edwin Encarnacion. 16 games. He's only got eight hits, he's batting 123. He's got the four home runs, you know, still leads the AL with 25 home runs, but but Sam, this is not what I was expecting when we got the parrot. I wanted some I wanted a little more than this.
1: 8 for 65 since he was traded to the Yankees. I mean, not good at all and I tweeted something yesterday. No one was more excited than me to get Encarnacion. I mean, one of my favorite players for a while. 8 for 65 since acquired for the Yankees is Encarnacion and I tweeted something yesterday. I said, no one was more excited than me to get Encarnacion. You see what he did against the Yankees with the Blue Jays for all those years. Most home runs when he came to the Yankees for any opposing hitter in Yankee Stadium, he had eight home runs in 69 games. And he just hasn't been as advertised right now. He's having a lot of trouble catching up to the fastball, which is a major, major issue In today's game, if a hitter can't catch up to a 96, 97 mile an hour fastball, I even saw a couple 94 mile an hour ones get blown by him on Sunday, which is even more troubling. And like I said, I was thrilled when the Yankees acquired him and I understand it's tough to be traded midseason, especially cross country. And then having to go to another continent for a set of games and then having to come back. So, I mean. He also he played of, in
0: Japan. So, this is his continents all over the place he's been playing.
1: <laughs> so, it's kind of been really tough on him. But I'll give him a pass for these three weeks. But when we come back from the All Star break, Encarnación really, really needs to start hitting or else he's going to have even more. Not, not just fans, but writers calling on him saying, you know, this guy has not come as advertised. So the pressure is going to be on when the Yankees get back from the break. He has time to recoup, you know, maybe move some of his stuff back or, or over to New York from Seattle. He, of course, was traded in the offseason as well from Cleveland to Seattle. So it's been a bit of a whirlwind for the parrot, but he's well, going to need to start hitting when the Yankees
0: come back. For the second half, 23 strikeouts in 65 plate appearances is not what you want. And that is, you know, he had 65 games with Seattle and struck out only 55 times. So he's got 16 games here striking out 23 times. Do the math. Uh, he's striking out way too much here. And, you know, he's not getting the on base. That's
1: insane, too. Yeah. A, I saw a tweet from Katie Sharp, the average. For an MLB player, player,s nine percent of the at bats, and with the Yankees, he's almost at twenty four percent of his at bats ending in a pop up. That just shows not catching up to the fastball.
0: No, no, and he's not getting on base either. He's not really working the walks. He looks like you said it's it's. It, hey, you know, shit happens. You are an MLB player here. Thanks for the four home runs, but you need to to get on and get back to being Edwin Encarnacion you know, because honestly, they you know have been keeping Clint Frazier. Kind of ties into two topics here: keeping Clint Frazier down in. In AAA for maybe a couple of various reasons here, but if you're gonna have Edwin struggling and sticking up that DH spot, and you can have Clint kind of doing, you know, Clint was doing well. He, is, if, he if we need a bat, Clint's fine. You can come up here and be the DH, if Edwin's gonna bat 123, so it's kind of holding up, to, you know, two different options here, um, and then also with Clint, I was very surprised when Stanton got shut down with the injury. That they didn't call up Clint. again. I don't know if it was a punishment. You know, some saying oh he deserves this for the way he's acted, but the Yankees aren't dumb. Uh Talkman's done okay actually since he's got called up um for Stanton. But the Yankees won't they aren't gonna hold off on playing Clint Frazier if it's gonna cost their MLB team wins. Right now it hasn't, but if there's a combination of Talkman struggling and, and, you know, stealing at bats here and then and when Edwin Encarnacion struggling when Voigt comes back later this week here. You got to start thinking about when it's time to bring up Clint Frazier and his bat. You know we don't have to play him, but he's been hitting the he hit the ball well this year, and I'm not going to have a guy sitting with 30 home runs in the in you know 30 home run potentials sitting in Triple A all season.
1: Yeah, I agree that we could maybe see Clint come up, but I think they're going to give Encarnacion another month. I don't I don't see the Yankees parting ways.
0: No, oh no, not at all. No, no. Yeah, yeah. But do they flip Ta- Talkman then? Because Talkman came up for Stanton, and Stanton looks like he's going to be until at least August as well. You know, you can mix and match here with, with with Frazier better than you can with Talkman for an offensive standpoint, especially if Edwin's not bringing the offense that he's expected to.
1: Yeah, of course. And Brett Gardner has been absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. Too Touche, Brett. Just homered the last three games before the break. But we saw what he did in the second half last year. He hit only two twenty. So maybe the Yankees have in mind limited his role a little bit in the second half to save his batteries.
0: And but that's got to involve Frazier then too. Then
1: I agree. I agree. So we possibly could be seeing Frazier, and he's obviously more comfortable in left field as well. Yeah. He wouldn't have to. He wouldn't have to play right field. We'll, we'll right, Judge, we'll judge back now. Yeah. So. Frazier could play left field on Gardner's days off, and I'm sure they're having discussions about, you know, what if Gardner goes in this second-half slump again? But, I mean, he's been absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. Shout out, Brett Gardner. I mean, you saw a lot of Yankee Twitter joking about that he should have been in the home run derby tonight because he's been on such a tear. Got 15 home runs at the
0: All-Star break. This is Brett Gardner here. He went, like, four or five years. If you combine all of his home runs, it hit 15 home runs.
1: Yeah, and I love Brett Gardner. He's one of my favorite Yankees of the last decade. But I, I when they brought him back last year, I mean, I, I mean, seven, seven and a half. They brought him back for nine and a half. Basically, his contract was seven and a half million for one year. But with the two million dollar buyout from his last contract, he's basically costing the Yankees nine and a half million to play for them this year. And that's a, that's been a bargain. He's been playing well. <laughs> playing out. awesome.
0: It's got over yeah. a two over a two war I think I saw, he's been playing really well.
1: Yeah, and early in the season he was an automatic out in early April, and that's when you had the Yankees fans bitching about, oh, no Bryce Harper, no Bryce Harper. We have Brett Gardner being an automatic out and batting 0-59 or whatever he was batting after for the first <laughs> week. But he's been tearing the cover off the ball, and it's great to see good old Guardy. and I really hope his batteries are charged for the second half, and Like we both say, that could mean a more limited
0: role down the
1: stretch.
0: Yeah, I had to look it up. His first five seasons playing for the Yankees from 2008 to 2012, Brett Gardner played in 475 games and hit 15 home runs. He's played in 84 games this year and he's also hit 15 home runs. So if you want to do a little callback to the juice balls, uh, look a little bit at Brett Gardner's stats and see what kind of power he's been putting up that he has uh, in the beginning of his career. Yeah, and
1: in 2017 he hit 21 home runs, and it's pretty realistic he
0: could pass that. Oh, he should. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it'd be a disappointing. I mean, it would be a Brett Gardner if he doesn't get the 21 home runs. That means he's had one of these as you know last year, very rough second half of the year, and we're gonna see him hit that hit the bench like he did with when we got the McCutcheon trade. So we'll keep an eye on Brett there because, but he is. If he's been saying, if he can stay consistent. And, you know, if he's batting 250 and just kind of doing his thing there, he's going to get playing time every every game. So, you know, right now he's got nothing to worry about, but we both are worried that this is going to drop off.
1: Yeah, and just like it did last year, not that he was playing at this level in the first half last year, but I'm really happy to see Brett really, really hitting, like I said, one of my favorite Yankees ever to watch. And my favorite thing about Gardner, you go back through the years – Moving from center to left field, no problem. No attitude change out of Gardner. Batting seventh one day after batting leadoff, no complaints. Going down to the nine hole, no He's complaints. A pro. He's a pro's pro, and yeah. that's one of the reasons I've loved having
0: him in Yankees' pinstripes for a decade plus now. Brett Gardner will win the Heart Award for the Yankees for the past decade, like you said here. But as the first half is wrapped up here, we're going to go and do a little bit of Give it award season here. Why not? It's the first half, been 80, 88 games for the Yankees here. Let's see who the MVP is, the Cy Young, and then the opposite way. The least valuable player, and then the old Cy Yuck here. Sam, I think we can easily start off with MVP, and we both will easily agree on who it is. But tell me who your first half 2019 MVP of the New York Yankees is. A real shocker coming here. DJ LeMayhew. Oh, I got mine. Yeah. <laughs> But also not for the Yankees, up there for contention for MLB MVP. So not even just the Yankees here. That's how good of a season he's had.
1: And I I think we're both on the same page. We think it's Trout's award to lose. But DJ LeMayhew, I will go as far as saying, was the best signing any MLB team made this offseason. He has completely transformed the Yankees' lineup You need that guy hitting for a high average, and not only is he hitting for a high average, he is hitting close to 340 right now in those upper 330s entering the second half, and he's just hitting a cover off the ball. Whenever there's runners in scoring position, it's going to be a single through the left side or a single up the middle or a single to the right center field gap, and this is what the Yankees did not have last year. I've said on a couple episodes before, it would have been great to have him on the 2018 team. Oh, yeah. Maybe that series against the Red Sox would have been different. Probably not. But, wow, what a first half this guy has had. And batting second for the AL All-Stars
0: tonight in Cleveland. He's been great for everywhere across the diamond. He has played in 49, yes, Forty nine. He has 42 starts. I'm sorry, at second base, seventeen starts at third base, and seven starts at first base. He has been all over the field here, bringing that gold gloves to, um, play in the field, and then with the bat, it's just been incredible. Like you said, he's he's slashed you know three thirty six. He's got a three eighty three on base percentage. He's got an OPS of one thirty seven, um, which would be by far his career high. His career high of OPS plus was was, was one twenty eight back in 2016 when he also won the batting title for the Rockies and batted 348. So he having a gold glove type season at the plate and then a silver slugger type season. It was a like gold glove type season in the field, silver sluggers type at the plate, and just doing it all around for the Yankees. Um, like you said, the biggest steal, without a doubt, every team has to be kicking themselves that the Yankees are paying $12 million for this guy. He's got a 3.8 war already through the first half of the season here too. I mean, but DJ was great. He said, I want to play for the Yankees. That was my commitment here. Clearly, looks like he should have gotten a hired contract from the Yankees and multiple other offers here. But two years at twenty-four million—can we give this guy an extension right now? Because MVP is—you uh, know—where would the Yankees be without DJ LeMahieu? It, it's pretty remarkable with the year he's had. His first year in pinstripes.
1: Yeah, you—you you asked the magic question: Where would the Yankees be without DJ LeMahieu? And on a couple—a couple episodes ago, you said. You think he makes Miguel Andujar very expendable this offseason, depending on what happens with Didi Gregorius, and that's no disrespect to him. Or even
0: right now at the deadline, if the Yankees, like we said, with the Severino, make a panic big move, that could be someone that we aren't expecting to get moved.
1: Yeah, and with a torn labrum, uh, we'll see how he comes back from that. But D.J. LeMay, who's 30 years old, I think he'll hit well into his mid-30s, even if he drops off a little bit, and the versatility he brings especially as a backup first baseman uh, shifting from second to third and back uh, really has been just what the doctor ordered for this Yankees team. And, you know, they say a pitcher's best friend is a double play. Well, the Yankees best lineups best friend after the season they had last year, especially in the postseason, DJ LeMahieu is now their best friend. I don't know if that analogy was good or not. But, but. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Anyway, D.J. LeMahieu is the runaway first half Yankees MVP. And one big thing, he missed, you know, five games or so with knee soreness uh, out in that West Coast trip. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But when you look at Yankees who have spent time on the disabled list, Yankees starters, we're talking Voight now, Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, Hicks. Uh, who am i missing Didi, obviously with the tommy john surgery torres has not uh, you know seven six or seven of nine of the yankees starters and lemehu did not start on opening day i already yeah did, you remember did? that he didn't yeah. yeah he did because with the Didi injury I, I forget that i mean but with with the yankees line with the yankees how their lineup is right now I mean so many guys have spent time on the DL and out of the hitters, Torres and Lemayu
0: really are the only two that have not. Torres, Lemehu and and Gardner. And um but uh LeMahieu didn't start on opening day because that is going to lead into the least valuable player I'll start it off with and I'll change it up on you, is Troy Tulowitzki. Tulo started opening Ooh. day. Yeah. Yeah, that boy. He is going to be the complete opposite of DJ LeMahieu, of maybe the worst signing of the Yankees. Again, free, free pass, Tulowitzki, come on over to the Yankees, see what you got for for no costs to us at all. But he lasted five games. He hit a home run, great. So he batted, you know, went got two hits in the five games, and his, his eleven at bats here went to the DL with some soft tissue um, calf injury and has been shunned from the world here. He's actually left the Yankees team, still under contract now, to figure out what his next steps will be. But if we want to talk about a great infield signing the Yankees had in uh, DJ LeMahieu. the opposite has happened for Troy Tulowitzki here. Um, and he we will never play again for the Yankees. But the Yankees came out and said that Tulowitzki, if healthy, is going to be the everyday shortstops. And that would have taken at-bats away from people like DJ LeMahieu, and that was before the Andujar injury, obviously. Thought. So you know, maybe a blessing in disguise. Maybe we should we sh- shouldn't give him the least valuable player award because maybe it has led to more DJ LeMahieu at bats. But I'm giving it to Troy Tulowitzki. not the award he wanted or thought he was going to get when coming to the Yankees here. But he is my least valuable player for the Yankees in the first half. Um, what were you thinking? Who who you got? Who are you thinking for the the opposite side of this award? First off, when you mentioned Troy Tulawitsky <laughs> right there,
1: I honestly forgot he played for the Yankees earlier this he started year. Started opening so being day, being honest. He made it longer th- than I thought. He made it through spring training, which was pretty remarkable to me. And then he made it five games into the regular season. My least valuable player, and I, I hate to get on him, but it's Giancarlo Stanton availability is the best ability and Stanton has played nine or ten games this year I don't know the number but not really not enough he's been injured twice really weird situation how he hurt his calf getting hit by a pitch and had to miss another two weeks before he went on rehab assignments and then Right when he comes back, he, he kind of gets his leg crushed or
0: whatever. It, it was a I stupid lost. play. They got hurt coming back with though He was uh, trying to steal an extra base, you know, um, on third, and it just, just stupid play. And it's going to cost him a long time.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's going to be out into August. Brian Cashman says so. A lost season for Stanton, but as they say, the Yankees aren't judged during the regular season; they are judged during October, and Stanton is going to have a lot to prove in October. And we were both on the same page coming into the year. We thought a monster year from Stanton this season. Yeah. 50 um, home runs. I mean, he had 38 homers and 100 RBIs last year playing on a bum calf for or excuse me, bum hamstring for about five weeks. So we'll see what happens here. But Giancarlo Stanton, unlike Troy Tolowitzki, is going to have a major shot to turn things around in the huge. second half when he comes back.
0: Yeah, no, I and I think you know, Stans pissed too. I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you saw John Carlos Stans' Instagram, but it was a picture of him throwing a bat away and said, "Throw all that bullshit to the side and get back to work." So you could tell that he's pissed that he's not in, in the lineup with this team. You could tell that he's annoyed at the nagging injuries that are continually happening to him all season. He's only playing nine games here. Um, you know, he'd be back to back seasons of 150 plus games. You know, he had with last year with the Marlins with 159 and then 158 games, like you said, with an injury all there. For him to be playing in nine games has got to be killing him. Um, so while it usually is unfair to give injured players the least valuable player here, Tulowitzki, we kind of saw coming. We both were, were, you know, kind of missed on here on, on staying here. But like you said, huge impact player going into the second half of the year if he can get healthy. But right now it's, it's a big lost year.
1: Huge, and like I said, he's going to have a lot of time to turn his season around that Troy Tulewitzki won't, who, like you said, got sent away from the team figuring out his next steps. I, even though it was for cheap, to, to bring him in, and I'm going to harp on your LVP <laughs> right here, to bring him in to be the starting shortstop again, I just think it was such a foolish decision. I mean, this guy had played 66 games in the last two seasons combined missed all of 2018 to think he had anything at 34 at shortstop. Nonetheless, It's one thing if it's a first baseman or a designated hitter type player to think he had anything at shortstop was beyond me. I can't believe Brian Cashman and his team made that evaluation.
0: Yeah, but yeah, it is what it is. But it led to more DJ LeMayu. It led to Gio Urshela getting a nice shot here. We'll give him a shout out here, even though he didn't win MVP here. He, you know, absolute catalyst for what the Yankees have done in this off season. I mean, in this first half of the season, um, he's you know deserves a huge hat tip uh, for what Gio's done and could definitely have been an MVP type person that we could have given that award to here tonight. Um, On to the pitching side of things, the Cy Young Award. To me, there is no one worth giving this award to in the rotation. Tanaka's been okay. We've gone through all the struggles everybody else has had. So I'm going to the other end. Not not those who start the game. It's the boy that's closing the game. And I'm giving my signing on the Yankees' 2019 first half to Aroldis Chapman. Aroldis Chapman has a uh, 1.82 ERA. He's got 24 saves. He's only blown um, two save. Oh, sorry, three saves All year, um, and two of those games that he blew the saves, and the Yankees were able to win it. He had a huge streak of save opportunities from April 24th through June 6th. Chapman was literally unhittable. He gave up one earned run in that span of time there, and he, you know, lots of talk about him going into the season about the velocity not being there in spring training. Game time showed up, and uh, and Chapman has been what the Yankees have needed at the end of the pen, the bullpen. Has had a few struggles here, but overall has been great. And the bullpen is is huge for the Yankees, but there still is some kind of um, hold on that on that final the final pitcher coming out there. And Chapman's had that. You know, we've seen Chapman get pulled from the closer role. You know, back in the day, and but has responded strong to that here. But absolutely pitching great. Um, He kind of blew the save um, on July fourth. But other than that, Chapman, I think, has been spectacular for the Yankees and has already c- accumulated a 1.1 war in his uh, 37 games he's played this year.
1: Yeah, and I am going to stay in the bullpen as well, Steve, and I am going to give mine to Adam Adovino. I think these are two very, very, very good candidates. Ottavino 3-3, three and three, a 1.8 ERA, slightly lower than Chapman's, a 1.6 war. He's been used in a lot of different situations. He's been used to start an inning. He's been used as that fire extinguisher guy, which we've seen Dylan Batantis be Mm -hmm. used as in years past. So this guy has given Aaron Boone so, so many options. And like we said, DJ LeMahieu, an amazing signing. Adam Adovino, maybe the best reliever anyone signed this year out on the market. A 1.6 war, like I said. Three years, $27 million. An absolute bargain to get Adovino to the Yankees. My only concern, 42 appearances already. is on pace to blow past a career high of 75, which he did two times in 2014 and last year in 2018. But again, Adovino, rock solid out of that bullpen.
0: It is, it is tough to say anything bad about what Adam Adovino has done. He throws that disgusting whiffle ball off-speed pitch. He's even been painting the black sometimes with that 94. It kind of surprises people after you see his slider come in. been an absolute joy to watch him on the mound, too. And like you said, he comes in any time. The, the starters have been struggling, so we'll see him come in you know, in, the, in the fifth inning with two on. We'll see him come in in the eighth inning. You know, they mix and match pretty well. I like the, what the job Boone has done there. With, you know, these guys, like you said, a lot, a lot of games, you know, 37 for Chapman and, and 42 for Adovino is a lot. But these are two guys that we are 100% going to need um, throughout the rest of the season and, more importantly, in the playoffs. So we might be, uh, you know, see the Yankees making move for an extra bullpen uh, arm because um, the same thing, just is almost identical to Severino, is we don't know what the timeline really is for Dylan Batanzas. But if the Yankees get Batanzas back um, you know in August or even in September to add that fire flame to, to this bullpen really gives the Yankees a chance here um and and Chapman Chapman you know he, he sometimes makes it nervous he sometimes loses uh, the strike zone in the ninth inning here but you know he's he's this year it's kind of uh, the closer role kind of gets uh, people bash on Chapman more than they have than they should be I think this year because they they kind of forget how how shut down he has been in his 34 uh, innings here. He's got 50 strikeouts in 34 innings. So people aren't really touching the ball versus Chapman. And the same goes with Ana Vino two, two worthy candidates of a Cy Young award when um, no one in the, the starting staff, I think, has, has earned it. I agree. We both stayed in the bullpen. And Chapman,
1: again, rock solid. Maybe the best closer in baseball this year by the numbers. Brad Hand up there as well for the Cleveland Indians. But, Chapman and it's important to remember Chapman has an opt out in his contract after this year. So you you know, it's way early to think about the offseason, but you wonder what he'll do there given how dry the market was for closers this offseason with Craig Kimbrell, maybe the best closer since Mariano Rivera was unsigned until, you know, early June. So I have to wonder what he's thinking there. He's got two years at about $17 million a year, left on his contract. Kimbrell got around that number, but...
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with Chapman in the offseason here. You know, Kimbrell only got three years, so maybe Chapman sticks it out for the two years. Um, but for now, Adovino, uh and, and Chapman leading the bullpen for the Yankees here, taking away the awards. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Chapman um, going into the off season. but for now, Adovino and... Chapman will be leading the Yankees' bullpen along with, with Britton here. Um, what about on the other side of things, Sam? Who would you have for your Cy Yuck of the, Cy Yuck of the first half of the New York Yankees uh, award?
1: It's got to be Jay Happ. I mean, an ERA over five. He's looked good at times. He can't pitch against the Orioles, which is the most bizarre thing that there is. Uh, He's been a little bit better as of late, but then you had that debacle against Houston, gave up eight runs, gave up the Grand Slam in that game as well. Uh, Just such an up-and-down season for half, and the Yankees are paying him $17 million to be a front-ish of the rotation guy. And right now, you can't feel comfortable handing the ball in a postseason series. So he is my Cy Yuck uh, the Yankees are kind of forced to acquire another starting pitcher regardless, but if half continues on this trend, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them get two like they did a couple years ago with Sonny Gray and Jaime Garcia, and you take into account Herman's innings limit there. I mean, I'm not sure they'd add three, but it's. I think they're going to add two starting pitchers. Partially because Jay Happ has been unreliable on a rotation so far this year.
0: Yeah, and they brought him in to be kind of that Mr. Reliable. He was for the Yankees in twenty seven, twenty eighteen 2018 when he first came over from the Blue Jays. And it it kind of, you know, I was okay with the contract here. I was like, all right, get two years with a third-year option. If he pitches well for those two years, let's easily get that third option here. And now you're wishing it was a one-year deal for sure after some of the contracts that we have seen starting pitchers get uh, this year. So Hap's complete disappointment. He's the fly ball's been killing him. They've been going right over the park every time. So huge second half for Hap. Um, I'm sticking. I don't know. So I'm moving back to the bullpen and going with Jonathan Holder here. And I didn't want to do it because I kind of didn't hate Jonathan Holder. He's gotten a lot of shit, but 31 games, 35 uh, innings here, and he's got a 6.81 ERA. He's got a WHIP about 1.4. Um, you know, I want to talk about how wins and losses mean nothing. Somehow Jonathan Holder is 5-2 and two for the Yankees this season, um, but a negative war on the season here. Ben finally, finally got sent down to the minors to figure it all out there, so I'm not sure if we'll see him again, but not an award that he wants to have here. But Holder, Holder did the complete opposite of what his name is and didn't hold anything for the Yankees um, all, all season here and definitely earned that promotion. He, he knew it too. He acknowledged it. Said that it was uh, you know something's got to change, something's got to figure it out. Um, we'll we'll see what he does there, but we're talking about a guy who has had has had over ten appearances this year. Where he's given up at least two runs. He's given up five earned runs uh, in June twenty fourth, which kind of earned him that 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 uh, that demotion back there. But way too many times has this guy had less than one inning pitched and more than one earned run given up this season.
1: Yeah, and that June 24th game was, I don't want to say impressive, but I mean. it was just
0: get impressive. I was like, I was going to say it was impressive. Home run,
1: single, 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 grand slam. I mean, that is pretty hard to do in today's MLB. I mean, you think with one of the balls hit that it would have found the fielder, but that was, that's what got him the demotion. But I think we'll see Holder back here once he regains his confidence. Um Especially when the rosters expand to forty, but he is definitely a great candidate for the Cy because the Yankees were definitely relying on him this year,
0: especially with the Batantis injury and Green struggles early. Yeah, and it kind of it kind of sucks because Holder came out the gate did not come out the gate strong at all. He gave up runs in uh, six of his first seven appearances here. Sucks, not good at all. But from April twenty second to May twentieth, so a full month he had uh gave up i can't count he had uh, 12 appearances and 11 of them were had no earned runs so he he figured it out sometime at the end of april through the end of may through the uh he figured it out and was great and then he you know he had a bad outing against baltimore here and kind of started the downfall again and then he had four of his final six uh outings he given up three runs so it just you know uncalled for here Absolute Cy yuck goes to Holder, um, but I think Hap was Hap was going to be my choice as well um, for for it. But you know, I'll give that one to you. It just those are two guys here. The Yankees put way too much faith in so far, and surprisingly, it hasn't come back to bite them in the ass as they still have a six game six and a half game lead as they go into the second half. Um, the only other award I want to touch on here is uh, major league award here, and I think Aaron Boone deserves uh, manager of the year. Um, the work he's done with this, the injuries and everything going on this year, it's it's kind of he still gets bashed for all these Boone things. People saying Boone costs this game all the time. Uh, season ends right now. Aaron Boone is one thousand percent the manager of the year in the MLB.
1: Absolutely is, and with the Yankees at fifty-seven and thirty-one, do you ever notice how there's complaints about the lineup all the time? They're 57, every game. fifty-seven and thirty-one. They've won sixteen and twenty. And there's complaints about the lineup every game. Uh, maybe I,
0: when I see people complain about a lineup and say, oh, I guess Boone's just giving this game away, I immediately go and bet the Yankees because like, they're going to win now. Anytime I see like two or three people being like, oh, just a throwaway game from Boone, no chance he even wants to win this game, I was like, oh, guarantee we win.
1: Unbelievable. I, I mean, some people are just idiots when it comes to this <laughs> stuff. I mean, maybe Aaron Boone knows what he's doing with the – tumultuous slide of injuries he dealt with early in the year and how he not only kept the Yankees treading water, but ended up going to first place in the American League East, having guys like Urshela have breakthrough stretches. It's just, I mean, remarkable what he's done. And Joe Girardi always got credit for winning with less. And Aaron Boone does not get that same credit. I know that for a damn fact that Aaron Boone does not get that same credit that Joe Girardi did for winning with less, and it kind of bothers me.
0: Yeah, it is true. He still gets bashed all the time here. Um, he's gotten some national recognition from I know he was the, the ESPN, had him as his manager of the year of the first half, and he definitely is going to be the, the manager of the year here on podcasting in Pinstripes. Um, I want to update the home run trackers. We're running long on this little uh, first-half recap. Uh, episode here. Yankees have 149 home runs this season. That is actually one more than they had at the half at the, this game mark in 2018 when they broke the record. They're on pace for 274 home runs now, which again would break the record. But at this time, they're still third. They're still behind the um, the Twins and the Mariners here. The the Twins have 17 more home runs than the Yankees still at this point. Uh, farthest home run of the first half goes to Gary Sanchez. Absolute. Mammoth shot, 481 feet. He's hitting bombs left and right still. He technically has the team lead at 24 home runs here, but Edwin Encarnacion has 25 home runs, four with the Yankees and 21 with the Mariners here, as the two of them we be battling out for, ideally, the home run crown. Um, as we talked about Edwin Encarnacion needing to step his game up a little bit. Uh, Gary Sanchez is another guy that, for we're talking MLB awards, has to be up there for Comeback Player of the Year. He was my pick going into the season, and at the end of the first half, it's without a doubt, Comeback Player of the Year award season so far for Gary.
1: Absolutely. I I think he's 100% the Comeback Player of the Year. He's had a rough stretch as of late, though. He's four for his last, or excuse me, five for his last 45. Um, Not
0: not great. Yeah,
1: yeah, (laughs) a lot of strikeouts, but I mean, especially as a catcher, he goes through a lot of wear and tear. But I think Gary's going to pick him up, and we get, hopefully, knock on wood, a healthy August Gary this year. There we go. We're getting to it. August Gary, I mean, and he is going to be putting on a show. Still can break Javi Lopez's record. He's got 24 right now. Uh, He'd need 19 home runs in the second half to do that. But
0: it's definitely doable. Oh, yeah definitely August Gary might hit 15 himself so it's it's definitely possible for that to happen um and we'll see Gary Sanchez starting for the All-Star game for the the AL along with DJ LeMayu. Glaber Torres finally did make it to the All-Star game even after he was passed on like seven or eight times um we didn't get to talk about enough about Glaber but well, we will as the second half goes on cuz Glaber Torres is is just flat out amazing and he's he somehow isn't getting enough credit that he that he deserves
1: he is, and, and I saw your tweet that you said you wish Flavor would just <laughs> yeah. give him a screw off, but, I mean. He's too he's, nice of a guy. <laughs> he's 22 years old, and he is a two-time all-star right now. And I said at the beginning of the season, I think we could be talking about this guy. It's a top-ten player in all of baseball at season's end, and I think we are trending in that direction because it gives him Aaron Boone the versatility, second base or shortstop, and – Really, this is a special player the Yankees have. I think he kind of gets lost in the fold sometimes with some of the bigger guys, Judge, Stanton, LeMahieu, even Hicks. But labor Torres is going to be a full fledged superstar. And like I said, oh, I think he's we're going to be
0: ta-
1: we're going to be talking about him top ten players at season's end.
0: That that's what you that's what you want to see from Glabor and hope they all have fun at the all-star break. The comeback Yankees come back, they go right back to the AL East. They got three versus Toronto and then four again versus Tampa. Um, you know, Tampa we said, six and a half games up. It's a nice cushion here. Big four game series though with Tampa here. We don't wanna you know struggle there and make this, you know, three or four game lead here. Let's get out there, start the second half strong and get this lead to, to eight or nine again for uh, the AL East.
1: Yeah. Get it to eight or nine again. They were up eight and a half on the Rays, and then the Rays, of course, took the last two. The Red Sox are playing better as of late, but that was, again, some inferior competition. We'll see how they do against some other teams, uh, not the Detroit Tigers or the Toronto Blue Jays who are two of the uh, cellar dwellers in all of baseball. So we'll see how they do. I mean, yeah. They beat up on Toronto, twenty three games under five hundred. Detroit, twenty nine games under five hundred. Uh, so we'll see. I still think the Red Sox are a threat, even though they're nine games back. Uh, I'll believe that they are mathematically eliminated from the division when I see it. But yeah, Steve, extend the lead. And Toronto is a team that is a, a bad baseball team right now. They have Vlad Guerrero Jr. Florida. Uh, fun but bad lord Escuriel jr is a yankee killer hit a couple of home runs in their series to just two weeks ago when they were in the bronx but we'll see i'm hoping for a sweep of toronto coming out of the break and eddie encarnacion's bat waking up in a big way against this former team in the bronx
0: that that'd be the way to do it the yankees are 29 and 9 versus the al east here so you now you, you play your division you now what an absurd amount of times here you got to beat up on your division here um, the Yankees have done that. They've, they've taken care of Baltimore pretty much every game this year. Toronto, only 2-4 against Toronto. The Yankees, That's actually the worst uh, winning percentage against the AL East here. So, that's Toronto's been their – technically, Toronto's been their bugaboo of the AL East. Let's so come out strong here with these three games, like I said, in the Bronx. Um, and, and a big home stretch here. So Toronto, Tampa, and then Colorado here, a little – fake homecoming for for DJ LeMayu. So I want to kind of watch some of those interactions with uh, Colorado and Lemayo. But overall, Sam, we've had the injuries. We've made jokes about the injuries. We started pretty much every every episode with injuries here. But overall, we're talking about a first-place team with a a six-and-a-half game lead, getting healthier, getting their players back here. They're going to make some moves. It's really hard to complain about the first half the Yankees had versus what it could have been.
1: It really is. I mean, I really would have taken them in four or five out of first place right now, especially with yeah. all the injuries. But they're six and a half up. And Steve, it's time to go win a championship because it's World Series or bust. And this second half right here but, uh, is yeah. going to be important. And it starts with a 10 game home stand at home against the Blue Jays in the race. Let's get 10-game home stands. the Rockies. The Rockies. The Rockies. The
0: end of this, but. Yeah. 10-game home stands. Let's get 25 home runs there. Let's start closing the gap there on the home run counter for my personal gain here. But like you said, it's time for Championship or Bust in this second half. Get healthy. Stay healthy. And follow along with us at GothamSN.com for uh, weekly articles about the Yankees' second half and for the podcast here. Uh, all summer long as we we go through each each week of the second half of the Yankees. Thank you for listening to the first half Yankees recap. First place Yankees. One more goal in mind. Sam, always a pleasure, and I'll talk to you soon.
1: Always a pleasure. Talk to you soon, Steve. Go
0: Yanks! See ya. Toodles.